are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk about the Celtics Heat game tonight, something I never got to yesterday, which was week one NFL lines. Going to give you some early thoughts on some of those games where the public I know is going to be leaning. That means you kind of probably have to go the other way. My thoughts on the NBA offseason that's coming up, because I think it's going to be pretty crazy. More hockey talk. The Florida Panthers punched their ticket to the NHL Finals last night, sweeping the Carolina Panthers, not the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> duh, Carolina Hurricanes, and Matthew Kachuk. Is this the greatest series, goal-scoring series, that any hockey player has ever had in the playoffs? I've never, I've never heard of this. We'll get to that. I've got a Rangers statistic for you that I've been talking about for a week that I keep putting off, and uh, we'll get to some other stuff as well. All right, let's get going. Celtics Heat tonight. As I mentioned, no team in NBA history has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. And I said, the only way I could ever see it happening is if in the third game where the team went up 3-0, they lost their best player for the rest of the series. That did not happen. The Heat have everybody playing tonight, I believe. I don't think anybody's hurt. But you could say, wow, Boston's got them at home. If they can force a game six back in Miami, all the pressure's on them. Well, Boston's got them back at home tonight, a place where the Heat won game one and game two there. So clearly there's no home court advantage. We all know the Celtics record. They are, what, 11-13 and 13 in their last 24 home playoff games. There's no advantage there at the Boston Garden. None. They've proven that. Pretty big sample size. 24 games. Could they win tonight? Absolutely, they could. But I still don't think it means they're going to win the series. Now, if they do end up winning this series, I think I guess the one thing you could point to is that if somebody was going to come back from a 3-0 deficit, it would be, and the team that blew the 3-0 deficit would be the eight seed, you know, because it's not like they were dominant all season. They have been dominant in the playoffs. They are, what, 11-4 and four in the playoffs now? Still dominant. I just I, they were eleven and three before game four. I can't imagine they're going to lose four in a row. I can't tell you which game they're going to win. They can certainly win tonight. They could certainly win game six back in Miami if there is one, and they could certainly win game seven back in Boston if there is one. But it's never happened in NBA history. Hundred and fifty series. This would be one fifty one if Miami closes out this series and wins it. 151 and 0 teams that went up 3-0 ended up winning the series. So you just got to bet you just got to take those numbers. You can't bet against that. Who's stupid enough to say, "Oh, absolutely Boston's going to win the series." They can win a game. They can maybe even win two. I don't even think this series is going to 7. I think they either lose tonight or game 6. But what do I know? I just think Miami's been playing better. Boston we all know Boston's formula. If Boston shoots over 40% from three-point range, they're going to win. You can basically just pencil it in. Problem is, they every they haven't been doing that consistently enough, and I can't see them doing that for four games in a row. They did it for one game in a row. They hit 19 threes and shot 42% in game four from three-point range. Good for them. They're not winning this series. I just, the number, it's too difficult. 
everything is stacked against you. You could say, well, they're playing with house money now. They have no pressure on them. Well, of course they do. Because if they lose, they lost to an eight seed. <laughs> of course they have pressure. So I don't I, I don't see this at all coming down to a seven-game series. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, remember I brought it up yesterday and I said, look, it's only happened five times in the history of major sports. Four times in hockey, one time in baseball where the Red Sox came back from 3-0 to beat the Yankees. Never in the NBA, four times in hockey. And I said, well, I wonder how many times a team has been up 3-0 in hockey. Well, now I have all your numbers for all three sports. We know the NBA, 150-0, and 0, teams that went up 3-0. You know what it is for hockey? 204. So 204 times a team has gone up 3-0 in hockey. 200 of those times they won. And then in baseball, not very many. This surprised me. In baseball, you know how many times a team has been up 3-0 in AL in, in, in playoff history in a best-of-seven series? 40. So NBA has 150. Baseball has uh, – NHL has 204. And baseball has 40. That was interesting. Kind of low. But of those 40 times a team was up 3-0 in baseball, 31 times they ended up sweeping. Five times, they ended up winning in five. So 36 of the 40 times, it doesn't even go past five games. So, um, And then we know um, four have won uh, two games to, uh, to force a game six. And two of them forced a game seven, but only one of them won. And that was the Red Sox beating the Yankees in uh, 04. So, again, very, very big numbers. You add all those up, 150 plus 204 is 354 plus another 40, 394 and 5. Let me do the math on that. Calculator. 394 and 5. So 394 divided by 399. That's a 98.7% chance the team that goes up 3-0 is going to win a playoff series. <laughs> so if you want to go bet, you know, the Celtics to come back, go ahead. As much as I'd love the Stars to come back and beat the Vegas Golden Knights four games in a row, that's probably not happening. Hell, they're probably getting dumped tonight. Did you see Jamie Benn got two games uh, for his hit on Mark Stone and a piss poor, you know, a piss poor press conference. They, from everything I've read, you're you're basically told not to apologize until the suspension is handing down. He handed a, he did a press conference yesterday before the NHL handed the suspension down. So maybe now that the suspen suspension has come down. Jamie Ben will actually apologize, but he sounded more about, eh, sorry, I did this to my team, but you know, no apology whatsoever to the other player. You know, oh, I got to control my emotions. You think? Tell us why on your first shift of, shift of the game, when the other guy didn't even instigate anything, you thought it would be a good idea in a 
must-win game with your team down one nothing, 71 seconds into the game, that 45 seconds later you want to cram a guy's face through the ice. Tell us what went through your fucking mind at that point. Because this wasn't just, yeah, I got to keep my emotions in check. I got to, you know, I got to keep my stick down. Or, yeah, I shouldn't have hooked him or pushed him. or what. You tried to re- literally rearrange a guy's face on the ice for no reason. It would have made so much more sense if Jamie Benn did this in the third period when they were down 4 nothing and getting their ass kicked knowing they were about to go down three games to none and the season is essentially over. If this guy was instigating you, if this guy was bullying you, if he was taking cheap shots at you, none of that. You guys were skating. You had a little shove. He fell down, and you were still standing up while he was on the ice. All you had to do was step over him. You guys would have had a man advantage until he could get back up on his feet. But you decided to take your stick and shove it in his face and try and plant him through the American Airlines Center ice. I, and and we still haven't gotten any sort of explanation as, as, as to why this occurred. It's just been, I got to control my emotions, and I got to be better. Yeah, okay. Such generic speak. God, that was frustrating. The guy's the captain of the Stars. This isn't just some random goon on the Stars. He's the captain of the team, and he did this. And he barely has said anything about it since then. That press conference yesterday was piss poor. And I understand they hadn't handed down the suspension yet. He didn't want to incriminate anything, but he should be speaking to anybody that he can today immediately and apologize profusely for what happened. But, man, it doesn't sound like he's going to. I don't know. Brutal. Elsewhere in hockey, I mentioned earlier, Florida Panthers are on to the NHL Finals with a 4-0 sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes. What's fascinating about this series to me is that Matthew Kachuk of the Florida Panthers had three game-winning goals in the four wins, two of them in overtime in games one and game two, and then last night he scores with four seconds left in a 3-3 tie. I can't imagine. Look, I'm... Like I said, I don't follow regular season hockey. I get excited for the playoffs, but that's only been basically in the last six or seven years. I don't understand. I can't imagine anybody has had those that many game-winning goals scored that late in a playoff series. It would have been even sweeter if this was like a game seven and he did it for the third time in four wins, but still, on a 4-0 sweep, game winner in overtime, game one. Game winner in overtime, game two. Game winner with four seconds left in game four. I mean, can you have a better goal-scoring series than that? I don't think so. Panthers most likely going to play the Vegas Golden Knights. If Vegas closes out the Stars tonight, remember I told you yesterday, I think game game one was set for January 3rd, Saturday, the day after my party, and I'm trying to get tickets. Well, now... If it ends tonight, they're not making them wait until they're not giving two teams 10 days off. Apparently, game one's going to be on May 31st, my birthday, but I won't be in Vegas yet. But if the first game is May 31st on Wednesday, that means game two is Friday or Saturday. As long as it's not Friday, since that's the night of my party, uh, hopefully game two would be Saturday and I would still be in the same position where I could just I could go to possibly go to a Vegas game. 
it would just be game two, which is fine by me. I don't care if it's game one or game two. Just the fact to go to uh, an NHL final game would be great. So I know we are still waiting for our NBA Finals matchup, most likely going to be Nuggets versus Heat. And then we have the draft, I believe. Well, the draft is going to be right after the a week after the NBA Finals. Well, depending on how many games the NBA Finals goes. But end of June is the draft. And then free agency begins. I, I don't know anything. I'm not an NBA insider. I, I, I read a lot of their stuff. And, you know, people are talking about, oh, this guy, you know, all the rumors that, oh, Kyrie or Trey Young could be going to the Lakers and all this stuff. I don't know anything, but I've got some weird feeling that we are going to get a major trade this offseason that nobody is talking about right now. And I don't even know who it is. But when I'm talking major, I'm I guess I'm talking about someone like either someone like a Giannis or an Embiid, or a Dame Lillard, like somebody's going to be going to some team that none of us are talking about right now. And one of those teams that I think might be in the mix is Golden State. Remember how it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, the Kevin Durant rumors were right around the the all-star break of that year, and then all of a sudden we hear Kevin Durant's decided to sign with the Warriors. Everyone was like, holy shit, super team. Like, I... I don't know. I'm not saying for sure it's the Warriors. I'm just saying after what happened to them this year and you're running out of time with Steph and Clay and Draymond, obviously at the tail end of the career, Steph's going to be 35 next year. They've got a small window, and if they want to build on this mini dynasty that they have, getting role players isn't going to be good enough. If they can pull in, not obviously a Kevin Durant, but a big name, it would just be like, wow, here the Warriors go again. But I don't know if it's going to happen. I, But I do think, and I don't know what player, somebody is going to demand a trade and they're going to end up on a team that nobody's talking about right now and we're going to have a team that's like, whoa, didn't see this one coming. And I know that's kind of vague because, I don't, like I said, I don't have any insight. I don't know what player, but. Like something between a a Dame, a Giannis, an Embiid, an Anthony Davis. You know, there's you know, there's rumblings out there about an Anthony Davis for Joel Embiid trade or you know, whatever. I don't know about that, but something just tells me there's going to be something big. So we'll keep our eyes on it and our ears open. Still about a month away, but I just have this feeling something's gonna happen. NFL week one lines. I don't know if any of you have looked at the week one lines this year in the NFL. There's a couple that jump out to me that I'm kind of scratching my head at. And we're still early. Obviously, injuries can happen during training camp. Injuries can happen during the preseason. It would change a lot of things. But kind of looking at everything here. You know how I talk about gambling, especially when it comes to the NFL. There is the public money, and then there's where the handicappers, the sharps are on. And the NFL loves just giving people lines to salivate over. And one of those in week one is the Bengals minus two and a half at the Cleveland Browns. We already know. 
everybody and their mother is going to be on the Cincinnati Bengals. Because why? Back-to-back AFC champions. Back-to-back AFC championship game. Two years ago, they won it. Last year, they lost to the Chiefs. And, oh, my God, the Bengals? They only have to win by a field goal in Cleveland? That is such a trap line. Just be aware. That is a serious, serious trap line. Here's another one that I don't get. And and I don't get it, and I already know I'm betting it. I just have kind of seen the way this has gone the last two years. Two years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers were on the road at the Buffalo Bills in game one, and everybody and their mother bet Buffalo, and the Steelers went in there and won. Last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in week one at the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody and their mother was on the Bengals in that one. Pittsburgh went on the road and won 23-20 in overtime. This year, not on the road, at home, getting three points against the San Francisco 49ers. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that's a lock ever in sports. Any handicap or anything you see advertising, oh, this is a lock, it never loses, that's a lie. Anything can happen in any given game. You don't know what's going to happen once the ball is kicked off. They could lose their best player two plays into the game. You just don't know. But all things being equal and, you know, turnovers being roughly the same and, you know, you know, not the Steelers turning it over five times and and San Francisco turning it over zero. I absolutely love the Steelers at home getting three points in week one, knowing what they've done the, the first two, the last two years on the road beating teams that nobody thought they would beat. Now they're at home getting three points against a San Francisco 49er team that, one, if Trey Young plays, it'll be his first game since, I don't know, game three of last year. If Brock Purdy plays, it's his first game since coming off UCL surgery on his elbow. And if none of them play, you got Sam Darnold as your quarterback for the Niners. Pittsburgh has one of the best defenses in the league. I just I absolutely love this game. Problem is, I know that the Sharps in Las Vegas are going to bet this number down, and it's not going to be three at kickoff. I can guarantee you that. The public money will all be on San Francisco. The Sharp money is going to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I also like the Arizona Cardinals, who everybody thinks is horseshit, and they might be horseshit this year. But here's something you got to remember when you bet the NFL, especially week one. Nothing that happened last year matters. This doesn't carry over. Arizona was terrible last year, especially towards the end of the season, without Kyler Murray. They were terrible. That has nothing to do with week one of this year. Who are the Washington Commanders to be favored by five and a half, six points over anybody? With Sam Howell as your quarterback? I, I just, I'm sorry, that's... That's a field goal game to me. I also think every I and while I don't know if I would bet this one, I would definitely tease it because I think this is going to be a close game. The Philadelphia Eagles laying five points at the New England Patriots is way too much. Again, you gotta look at public teams. The Philadelphia Eagles are a very public team. They just played in the Super Bowl last year. The New England Patriots didn't even make the playoffs. So, of course, 
They're going to set the number. This line opened at minus three. It is now minus five. Everybody's jumping on the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm saying, good. Keep getting that number up because I de- I'm certainly going to put it in a teaser and get New England up to at least 13 points, uh, 12 or 13 points. But, I, I again, I, I see this as a field goal game. Too many people are going to I, – I, you're just basing it off last year. And they have the, there's always a stat about that Super Bowl hangover. Super Bowl losers usually start the season fairly slow. They just do. And the public doesn't see that because the public sees, oh, Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl runner-up last year. Patriots stunk. Oh, my gosh, the Eagles are only minus five? Just keep it in mind. I will be reminding you of this as we get much closer to the season. But certainly, certainly keep it in mind. The other big thing in week one is betting division dogs. Teams playing a division game that are underdogs do very well in week one because you're very familiar with the team that you're playing. You play them twice a year. You just blindly take the points. This year, we've got Carolina plus three against Atlanta. That's an NFC South matchup. Bengals and Browns. Browns plus two and a half. That's an AFC North matchup. Jaguars and Colts. Jaguars favored by three and a half on the road. This is going to be another one that everybody and their mother is going to be on the Jaguars because they made the playoffs last year. Good young team. Trevor Lawrence came back from whatever it was, four touchdowns against the you know, Chargers in the playoffs. We all remember that game. Indianapolis Colts stunk. Probably going to be starting a rookie quarterback. And the line's only three and a half. That's telling you something right there. That's another division dog. Um, Let's see. Packers and Bears. Packers plus two and a half at Chicago Bears. Another, that's another one. Here's another one. Raiders against the Broncos at Denver. Raiders are plus three. Another division dog. Rams and Seahawks. Rams are plus six in Seattle. Wait a second. A team they play twice a year. They are six-point dogs. A team that the Rams always, always play the Seahawks well. The Seahawks are everybody's darling. After Geno Smith put up one good year in his in his career last year, a career year for him, and this line is strictly based off of last year. Yeah, the Rams were terrible, but they also didn't have Matthew Stafford. And Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are healthy? And they're getting six in a division game on the road against a Seahawks team whose defense was god-awful last year? Again, who is Geno Smith to be laying six against anybody? Cowboys and Giants. Cowboys minus three on the road against the Giants. That's a, just an automatic play on the Giants. You just take home division dogs in week one. As we get closer to the season, I'll find you the record. It's ridiculous. Against the spread and winning the games outright, it is a very, very high percentage of underdogs covering division games in week one. Also, Bills and Jets. <laughs> Another one. What is that? Seven division games in week one? Bills are minus one at the Jets. Not a very big number, but they're still an underdog, the Jets are. Aaron Rodgers, first home game on Monday Night Football. Yeah, you think people are going to be fired up for that? I'd say so. 
So keep that in mind. Obviously, we got three months before this. I'm going to certainly be drilling this in your head as we get closer to the season, but keep it in mind. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Definitely subscribe because then you don't have to worry about finding when is my podcast up. It will automatically load into your feed as long as you're a subscriber to this podcast. So do that for me, please. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Oh, before I say that, oh, I almost forgot. How could I possibly end a Sports Daily podcast without saying this? Remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you! Oh, the best around. Nothing's going